Hi, and welcome to The Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, scare factor, monster quality, and production, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred horror canon. In this podcast, we will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next, what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready, and begin. Okay, so this week we are... Um, looking at three films um, that are mostly contemporary. Um, we're looking at Green Room, The Invitation, and Antichrist. And I think at first glance, there may not be much of a connection between these films. Um, but I think if we dig deeper, uh, we'll find some surprising connections. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I'm, oh, inter- right. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. So right, let's, let's get, get started. All right. uh, we're going to start with Green Room. Green Room. Um, so this was released uh, in 2016, uh, written and directed by Jeremy Saulnier, um, with Anton Yelkin as Pat, Aaliyah Shawkat as Sam, Sir Patrick Stewart as Darcy, and Macon Blair as Gabe. So let's begin. So with production, we're looking to make sure that it's timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject matter. Um, I think I think some of the things that stuck up for me definitely here are the acting. Yeah. Um, I think that it's got a strong cast. They do well. It's believable. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't know. Do you think? I guess this is, goes with the writing. Do you, like? Do you think these places exist out in the world? Kind of do. It. It's kind of realistic. I, I would. I would say the strength of the writing makes it feel like these places do exist mm-hmm. because there's so much like in this that's that's very like mundane. Um, like, I mean, you talked about you know, good acting and Patrick Stewart is just one of the best actors out there. He's amazing. And to see him in this role is really surprising. Yeah. Um, because I mean, he's professor X, he's Jean-Luc <laughs> Picard. He's like, he always he has this nobility about him. Yeah. And so for Which him, fits. yes. And so for, for, for this guy who, who we associate with, with being noble to play someone who is a white supremacist is very surprising, but I think he's believable here because mm-hmm. he still has this like charisma and intelligence that uh, a leader needs. Um, but to hear him say the N word is just like crazy. I know. Um, but yeah, as far as like um, the realism, there there are a lot of really good small touches here that kind of make it feel real. Like, um, like, uh, Darcy mentions, um, a racial advocacy workshop (laughs) when he talks about how this is a movement, not a party. And, and, and to me, that's just like, of course they have like some, like he's running like a professional sounding workshop. Yeah. He's running like a neo-Nazi white supremacist, like, uh, punk rock summer camp out there yeah <laughs> that's what it feels like because you have like the counselors mm-hmm. you've got the um are they called the they called the red laces or yeah the, like they seem like la- the soldiers 
and that I know that's a real thing. To like the red laces oh, uh-huh. and everything, um, that's based on truth. It's just like yeah, the whole order of it felt real, even though which is it's, which is kind of weird to think about because you think about horror movies or even action movies, and you think about who the villain's going to be. It's a mm-hmm. trope. Oh, it's the Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't feel that way at all. But here it's like it really is like they're people first and Nazis yes. second, <laughs> which. <laughs> It sounds weird, but yeah, it it, it, does. it it does feel really genuine, authentic. Yes, and even like. in the the action and the gore, it's like speaking of special effects, I just the scene that pops out in my head is when the, I'm just gonna call him. Um, what's the actor's name so I don't mess it up? I'm gonna call him the cute Russian kid. Um, because he's in Star Trek. Oh yeah, Anton Yelkin. Yeah, or Yelchin. Yeah, yeah. he's a cutie. You hear he died, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time of this recording, it, it's been a few weeks, but he he died in like this horrific accident, um, which is just a shame because he had, he's so good in this and in Star Trek, and he just yeah he he's one of those guys you could tell was going to have like a really long, fruitful career. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty uh, bittersweet watching him in this. Um, uh, what was I say in terms of special effects? Like when he gets his arm like yeah shops. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was intense. It was great. Uh-huh. That's just the way it's hanging there. And then, of course, the solution, duct tape. Duct tape, yes. <laughs> Which, like, it lasts. I want to talk about punk rock for a moment because <laughs> this is a I'll, definitely a movie. I mean, it's a movie about a punk rock band. And, like, having the duct tape was just, it's something, it's something associated with punk rock. Yeah. Like, you... Yeah, of course you're going to patch it up with duct tape. And that's what they continue to, once they, like, establish that for his arm, they continue to patch people up with duct tape. Yeah, (laughs) and it's great. Yeah. Um, It did kind of bring me back. Um, I was was pretty into punk in high school, so, um, like, when they were performing and they had this sequence where it was, like, they, they were getting into, like, a mosh pit and it was just slow motion and it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it it really kind of reveled in the mosh at that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you can tell that this isn't... Uh, the, the, the writers, everyone involved seemed to, like, really get punk. Like, that, that felt authentic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think kind of going back to what we're saying and... Finding is a real strength in the movie is the, like we have in our rubric, the portrayal of its subject matter. I think mm-hmm. whether it's with the white supremacists or punk or the acting, it's, it's real, it's authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I like that juxtaposition too of the punk scene, the mosh, something that's supposed to be like fighting against mm-hmm. authoritarian control, yeah. yet it's just a, it's a cog in yeah. them being controlled. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it's just one of the ways that he is containing them or letting yeah. out their aggression. I, yeah, I just like seeing those two next to each other. Uh-huh. In the movie. Um, and also with with that scene, you have this kind of beautiful slow motion scene set to classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're trying to find connections between films, just that's something that we'll see again with other films. So that's. Motif number one, I would say. <laughs> Motif number two is the opening. 
it opens with a car accident, right? They wake yes. up and they're in this cornfield. Yeah. Um, and it kind of shows how like irresponsible they are, right? Because mm-hmm. even the driver, he's just like, must have crashed. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he just fell asleep, and so uh, and then they like siphon off, you know, gas, and so um, that's another motif that we'll see again. Opening with some kind of okay, I see accident. Where you're going with this. Okay. Um, I and I will say with that, I don't. I guess we could put this in in production or maybe monster quality. I, I think something that's a strength in all three of the movies is that immediate connection and investment in the characters. Yeah. I think all three of these movies do an amazing job of that. Like you're invested from the get go. Right. Um, Right. Like you're like you're saying with this, it's like we're starting to care about these characters. We don't know what they're getting into at this point, mm-hmm. but we're like, um, I, I mean, I had sympathy for them. They just reminded me of friends that I knew mm-hmm. that were in bands, yeah, um, doing the tour, doing the good work, mm-hmm. and you know, just not <laughs> and questioning whether they should even do it anymore. Yeah, and and I love really close to home. how you know one one character that happens in this movie is at the beginning they're asked about their their desert island record right um or desert island band and um and 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 so like at first like in the actual interview um they care a lot about how they're like perceived like they want to pick the right band Mm -hmm. that like shows how punk they are but then later in the movie when they're about to like rush <laughs> when they're about to leave the green room and like rush the Nazis, they're like, I admit it, it's Prince. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you have one? Great. Do you have one in mind? Or should we Do I have one? Um, I have one in mind. Yeah. I didn't really, I guess Bowie. I mean, Bowie? Yeah. Mine would be Queen. Yeah. Um, but I love, like, this is all, almost like a mock, mockery of this whole, like, idea of character development because. Pat, Anton Yelkin's character, he never, like, says what his is. Yes, and then, like, at the very stopped. end, like, as a way, like, in any other movie, this would be a way to, like, show how he's grown as a character. <laughs> yeah. But, like, here, at, like, the next to last line is, like, I figured out what what band, what my Desert Island band is. And then <laughs> the person that he's sitting next to doesn't care. Just it, just Tell someone who yeah. cares. Yeah. And so that was just a great line to end on. Yeah. Although since it ends with CCR, I, I imagine that that's what his answer was. Right? Yeah. I think so. Uh, I think so. Yeah, because it plays a CCR song, and so I would imagine, like, okay, so... Which would be a good choice. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, so I think I, I want to give it a point for production. I, it's another one of those movies that maybe this is just I'm finding this out about my taste is that um, I love it when it's when it's small in scope mm-hmm. and can be contained and do a lot in such a small space. I really yes. admire movies that do that. Yes, and I think, because there are so many like ingenious little moments where like the dogs are attacking and so they like take the mic take the, and yeah they have to come feedback. up with all these different plans um it's suspenseful in that way because you know it's 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 like the new fad with the escape rooms yeah right that's basically what they're yeah. in is they're having to like devise all these different ways to get in and out of that room um but it's it's so well thought out yes like 
uh, you can tell that the writer, uh, Jeremy Solner, um, he he really took the time to think out like all these different situations and how people would react in a realistic way, mm-hmm. uh, which I just I really appreciate. Um, he directed another movie before this called Blue Ruin, and it was very much the same. So that okay. that's what made me excited about this. Um, that that's more of like a revenge movie and Macon Blair, the guy who played Gabe, he's in that as like the protagonist. And you saw him in this. He's kind of like chubby, kind of nondescript guy. Like he does not seem like a leading man, right? And so just like his averageness um, in Blue Ruin was like what made the movie great because mm-hmm. it's like this slow burn. Um, you know, if you're a real guy, like how would you get revenge? And it just, it's, it's just so well thought out. And so I, I, I think he does it just as as well with with green room it's it's a really thoughtful movie and i want to celebrate that so i'm going to give it a point with production all right moving on to monster quality the film's monsters are frightening clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth um so let's start with the white supremacist Mm -hmm. neo-nazis um i think as we're saying before the actors themselves bring the quality to them as monsters um and I think probably the greatest attribute to these monsters is that they don't think – well, I, I don't know. I'm going back and forth. Do they, do they know that they're monsters or monstrous or do, and they just don't care? Or do they just not see that they're monsters? I think the strength of this is that they, they're not portrayed as monsters. They're portrayed yeah. as people, right? right? They're, they're ruthless and violent, but they're also smart. And, you know, Patrick Stewart's character, Darcy, he, you know, wants to contain this. Um, he doesn't, you know, and at least at the beginning, he doesn't want to escalate. Mm-hmm. But I think once he realizes, what you know, what has, th- then he just like, you know, sets the plan in motion where, you know, he gives the other band, you know, uh, poison drugs and he you know gets the dog so that it'll look like they're trespassing um and so they're they're ruthless um they're um they're also human which mm-hmm. i think makes them scarier than just like mindless zombie nonsense right. you know <laughs> which speaking of we should do dead snow at some point. Yes, I've not seen that. <laughs> yeah. And I have not. That's no. fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think they really have depth. Uh, what other monsters do we encounter? Um, going more towards ar- archetypes. I mean, uh, well, I think the dogs are, you know, just another aspect of, like, these threats to them, right? Um, like, they... It, those scenes are, are especially gruesome although at the end like it was so heartbreaking to watch the dog rest his head on the owner like that well so what's the <sighs> so is the real monster then like man's capacity to um hurt harm and hate other men is that like yeah the yeah deeper, i think so because talking about? because if if we think about like that dog i mean that dog was trained to be vicious but at the end like it's affectionate and same with Gabe mm-hmm. like you know he's 
he wants to rise up in this organization. And so he's like doing all of these things, but at the end he helps them. Like he's just, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to prison. Yeah. And so like underneath that, he's a sensible person. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think this, you know, but the way that, that people can be like kind of swept up into this evil or madness, um, I think is, um, is part of it. Yeah. I think it just how, how the movie snowballs, Mm -hmm. um, I think is really effective. It just, for both groups, it just spins out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once, you know, once the band and the characters in that room kind of cross that line and realize, Oh no, I do have the capacity to like maim Mm -hmm. and kill this other human being. It's just like, well, let's do it because they're going to do that to us too. Exactly. Um, so I, I, I like that escalation and I think it's not our, for our horror movies that we have watched thus far. I wouldn't say that it's our typical monsters. No. Um, but I think they're there. I think they have depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this feels more like thriller slash horror. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it, it's not a traditional kind of monster that we're looking at. But yeah, I agree. I think yeah. there's stuff there. So. Okay, I'm going to give you a point. Good. And now we're looking at Scare Factor. The film has clear intent to scare and must be successful in that objective from beginning to end. Um, and I feel like this is always like the crux of where we separate the men from the boys. <sighs> yeah. Does it have a clear intent and is it successful? Um, I think what drives this movie is the action and not the scare factor. I think it's meant to unsettle. Yeah. Um, when I was watching these movies, I added um, a subsection of the scare factor, the cringe factor. It's going to be great for these. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so I would, I would say that this is a, a solid 10 out of 10 as far as cringeworthy Cringing moments. Those, yeah. I mean, his arm especially. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, the dog attacks and, and, and other parts too were definitely made this movie cringeworthy. So there, there was like a vis- visceral reaction that I had to this movie. Um, it's not scary in the way that like, the Exorcist is scary, um, mm-hmm. which I feel it's, like it's it's more. I think cringeworthy. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think that's just not to say we just have to remind ourselves that we're not saying um, these are good and bad movies, but rather should they be a part of this like classic horror list. Um, right. Well, I mean, that's why we have it split up into categories. Right. Like, is it a good movie? That's production. Sure. Is it scary? I, I feel like I can't, as much as I like this movie, I don't think that it's, like you said, it's a little bit more cerebral. It's giving us um, a lot to think about, but it doesn't have an intent to scare you out of your seat or scare you like we saw um, with Psycho, like scare you about the person, the stranger next to you. I guess what I'm saying is, is I, I don't think that's necessarily what we're supposed to feel here, even though we're wrestling with like man's capacity to harm other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we're necessarily supposed to be scared all the way through about the, the person next to us doing that harm to us. Okay. Or I, I think even though there's an underlying message of 
um, what people and humans are capable of doing to each yeah. other. I don't feel like that's the main like um, throw of the movie. Okay. Um, I want to give it a point because I I did viscerally feel things like I I, I cringed <laughs> yeah. like I said I this has a high cringe factor for me yeah. um, and also I was challenged intellectually to like see these very humanized villains you know as evil um which i mean that's 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 real life um mm-hmm. so i i would say that the movie is scary it's not spooky do you yes. see like there's a difference yeah uh, but i like i feel like we're looking for movies that have that not just spooky but scary vibe all the way through or at least it's, it has it as an intent successful like do you feel like it's scary from beginning to end well i think in you know a lot of the movies that we've reviewed i i feel like even if the the opening parts aren't you know jump scare oh yeah scary like they're building towards something and i think we see it in this movie and i think we'll see it in the other movies that we watch like I think this movie masterfully builds the suspense and just so I'm, I'm going to give it a point. I'm okay with the fact that it's not in the canon, but honorable mention. Sure. I think, yeah, I think it deserves that. And I think that, um, that it does, it makes me question like, what would I do in that situation? You know, if you are locked into, in that survival situation where you have to, um, uh, get out or make those choices. Yeah. yeah, I think it's worth watching. That's I think that's absolutely what it down to. Okay. Um, well, let's move on then to the invitation. Yeah, and one more thing that's made me think. So we need to e- either in the comments on unoyasosis.com or maybe we can bring this up at the end of the episode. What is your desert island scary movie Ooh. that you're gonna watch over and over again? Think about it. Yeah, that's a good question. But it's simmer. That's tough. We'll get back to it. Yeah, so we're going okay. to the invitation. The invitation. Um, this was also released um, this year, 2016, uh, directed by Karen Kusama, written by Phil Hay and Matt Manfredi, um, with um, Logan Marshall Green um, as Will, uh, Emiyatsi Kor- Corinaldi, I'm butchering these names, uh, as Kira, uh, Michelle Husman as David, um, and Tammy Blanchard as Eden, which Eden is an interesting motif as well. (laughs) So (laughs) I will say, even from you reading that character list, that (laughs) reminds me that in, in these movies, like there's not that many characters in the green room and, you know, just really the three characters in Antichrist, but in this one, there are a lot of characters (laughs) There are, but it, it, it's also very contained. Sure, too. Sure, and and I think that's something that all these movies share as well. Is like this sense of containment. Sure. All right, right, well, let's get into it. Production. So, looking to make sure that it's timeless in its effectiveness of writing, production, uh, directing, cinematography, so on and so forth. Um, so, I think with the writing on it, I do like 
like we were saying before with Green Room, I like how it's a quick investment in the characters. You jump right in um, with that scene of them hitting the, they hit a fox or a coyote or. So we start with another car accident. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which reveals something about the character or yeah. the theme because here, yeah, I think it's a coyote um, and it's in pain. And so they put it out of its misery, which, which is like. he does it brutally. And yes. there's a nod to that at the end. Yes. Um, with her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just like that. I think it's just a really quick way. That's what I wrote down in my notes. It's a super fast way to not only invest, but know who these characters are. Yes. Or who they are at the beginning. Yes. How that might change. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I also think this does a great job of building the ten- tension slowly. Um, you just, you're constantly waiting to see people go too far in this party, like at this party. To cross and, that and like when it, politically, socially correct yes. line. And and when it happens, it's so cringeworthy, like just in a completely <laughs> different way than Green Room, right? Because there it's like more like, because you're seeing people in pain um, here, we, you know, we, we see that at the very end, but like, Throughout the movie, it's just like breaking these social boundaries is just, mm-hmm. it makes me cringe. Oh, yeah. Um, there, like, I, I like how you're saying cringeworthy. Uh, there's definitely creep factor from the beginning once they get in the house. Like, you're unsettled throughout yeah. the whole movie. And I think production-wise, something that does that, too, is is the music, is the soundtrack. I'm learning about myself that I'm a sucker for, like, synth, like, yes. droning. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's always unsettling. I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie um, does that really well. It knows when it's using that music or those sounds, um, which I really appreciate. It just kind of is that extra touch in a movie where I'm like, okay, they thought about it. They didn't mm-hmm. just put that song in there or that Speaking sound of like great synth, um, this, this actually makes me think of the um, Netflix the new Netflix series Stranger Things, mm-hmm. um, which also has just amazing synth. Um, but that show does something that this movie does well is um, it uses flashbacks with everyday objects. So it's like when he's at the sink, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we get a flashback of him and his kid mm-hmm. at the sink, right? And so like we, I saw that in Stranger Things too, and it just – it's a great way of, of showing little character moments um, in a realistic way because that I think I feel like that happens all the time where we, where we interact with some everyday object mm-hmm. and, and you think about like a significant moment with yeah. that. And the Antichrist object. does that too. Yeah, um, to the extreme. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I found that really effective too. And I like how there's that it escalates and also builds uh, mm-hmm. with the plot up until uh, up to where he's like in the child's room, mm-hmm. um, and he's like lying next to him. But like I, I talk about cringeworthy, like tearjerker, mm. like when he's laying next to his son and he's just looking at him, yeah. um, and then it like goes away and he's just in the home office or whatever that room has been changed to. Oh my gosh, it broke my heart. Yeah. Um, and so what did you think, I guess maybe we could get the, I don't know if this is a writing thing or a monster quality thing. Uh, what did you think about the build of sort of like his perceived, whether you want to call it like anxiety, psychosis, depression, 
where you think maybe, I, I feel like there's a moment in the beginning where you wonder if the whole thing's just happening in his head. Do you feel like that's effective? And I saw that yeah. in some other comments and reviews well, too. I, I think so. And, saying and it's I, not effective. Oh, really? It's definitely intentional because, I mean, I, I, I like how this movie, and I think other the other movies do it well too, is like, they know that we have seen other movies, so they play with our expectations. And so here, yeah, you, you definitely get this sense of like, where is this going? We know that something's going to happen because something has to happen. But then, you know, Troy, the friend that doesn't show up, um, that, that's missing, even though like he hears like this voicemail saying he's right outside mm-hmm, at home. Mm-hmm. Like it ends up being like he really was just running late. And so that's after Will's yeah. freak out. Um, and so he is made to look ridiculous. And so so are we, I think, at yeah. that point. Because we also, you know, thought that, you know, is he in the basement, like, tied up? Like, right. what? Well, I was going? thinking for a while, I thought maybe he was in on it. Like, they had converted him. Like, he had showed mm. up early. Um and they like converted him to be part of their pact or whatever, and then he wasn't going to show up until the end. Oh, uh, I, I thought him. he was going to be like the sacrifice that everyone watched die. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I, I liked that. I thought, I thought they did a great job here playing with expectations. Yeah, I, I think going with that too, because part of our uh, rubric says that it's timeless mm-hmm. in it, and I think that's something that is a real. Um, uh, a real bonus to this movie is I feel like the story is timeless. That like sort of dinner party, there's something that needs to be said that goes unsaid, like, mm-hmm. um, and that slow burn, the build of suspense, I feel like was a real like classic yeah. part of it. Classic part of the, uh, of the plot in terms of like, like you said, those um, like what the audience thinks is happening mm-hmm. versus what is really happening. It just kind of plays that count cat and mouse game really well yeah and i I just love the concept where it's this group of old friends uh something traumatic has happened but they're trying to connect again um there is that unspoken thing that 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 elephant in the room um everyone is kind of in, in some of the relationships they're picking up right where they left off which i really liked um but it's not the same. It's kind of that idea, like you can never go home again. Like, you know, your ex is with a new boyfriend, or, mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like everything's the same, but not the same. Um, and I think that's really effective. I also really liked how when they watched the video, um, you saw how like people re- responded to it very differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Some people were just really freaked out and uncomfortable. Um, others were open to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, I, I think you see that with any kind of discussion about like spirituality or religion or anything. Like you just, you, you, you can have all of these different perspectives. And I really appreciated that. See, and I, I go back and forth with that idea too. I think having that many characters involved allows for those reactions. Mm-hmm. Well, one question I wrote at the end of the movie is, did we need all these characters? Did we, I mean, each of them has like his or her own part that plays like in the sequence of the movie, but did we 
like, do we really need all those characters? Did, did we need the um, weird house guest girl? Oh, yeah, I think so. Her only she... purpose is that part at the end where she freaks out. No. Earlier, she's... I guess she adds to being unsettling. Yeah. But the guy that comes in does that, too. Exactly. And so there are, like, these two people that come in. And, like, I think each one is kind of a different type. Because you have the girl who's kind of, like... At first, you think it's, like, kind of a free love situation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so she kind of is more like the hippie type. Whereas he's like the dangerous cult type. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of makes it hard to pin like what exactly is this group? Yeah. And do you think, do you think that the, the cult or whatever we want to call it, do you think they explicitly told them how many people they wanted them to invite over? That might have something to do with it. Maybe. I, mean, just... I, I love how mysterious it is. Um, like, did he did he kill that girl who left? I I think so. And I mean, we don't know. There is but... there is another part where like other people came, and I think they, um, David said like, oh, they thought it was a different party or something. Yeah, right. And it seems like were they other like cult members kind of hanging Checking around? In. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just I love that mystery about it. Um and it it reminded me of some of other movies where it is just like kind of a large group of friends. Um I li I liked it. Yeah. I, I I liked it. Um, um I think kind of like a negative towards production and I think you and I are accustomed to movies that are like quote unquote a slow build a slow burn. Yeah, I think modern some people in a modern audience are gonna hate that part. Yeah, I could see that. Um, like really hate the movie because it moves too slowly, and then um, then you have to ask yourself as the viewer, like, is the payoff at the end worth it? For me, it was. Um, I liked the ending. I I did too. Um, although I I liked. I, I like the journey there too. Right. Like I, what, yeah. I liked being confused and waiting for the shoe to drop, you know? Um, I, I felt like the quality of this movie uh, made me care about the whole movie, not just the end. Right. Like, because I think le a lesser movie would just be this boring, you know, party. Yeah. And then at the end, everything. Did you figure it out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas here, like, you just get so many of those moments with Will. Um, you get a lot of, like, reflections in this movie, which I thought was cool. Um, yeah, like, we got to. Windows and even, mm -hmm. like, when they were watching, like, on the laptop, you see, like, you kind of see them watching mm -hmm. the laptop. Mm -hmm. Or there's a, a scene where, like, I think he's in the bathroom and just, like, the endless mirrors. Right. You know? Um and so, like, you you really, you're given the time to get inside his head and kind of feel what he's yeah. feeling. So we do, that's what I liked about it, too. There's a clear protagonist. Um, it could have easily gone the other way, where it was just the group. Yeah. And you didn't necessarily have somebody to identify with, but I feel like it kind of circumvents that. Yeah. Um, as a problem. So, monster quality. Um, Wait, so just to be clear, oh, sorry. you're going to give it a uh, point? Yeah, give it a okay. point. Yeah. All right, I am, too. Um, monster quality. 
making sure that they uh, tap into archetypal fears and have depth. Um, so who are our monsters? Do we want to call the cult a monster? Or do oh, we want yeah. to call, like... Sure. Like, the idea of, like, zealotry and, like, being yeah. a cult um, and, and kind of preying on or, or exploiting people who are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, got that connection to Eden Green And Antichrist. Um, like, um, you, you have Eden, um, Will's ex, who, you know... Both of them have experienced like such traumatic pain in losing their kid, um, that like both of them ha- have dealt with it in different ways. And so this, this this idea of like trying to find a group or trying to find something that makes you feel good and that like takes the pain away but it's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that is relatable and effective in mm-hmm. this movie. So, like, so is, like, is a monster then, like, the the depression or the coping that one does, like, after a loss? I, I think the, you know, I think grief is, is a monster grief. here, but yeah. also the way we deal with grief mm-hmm. in unhealthy ways mm-hmm. and, and the people that take advantage of that yeah. is effective. And maybe even that group, like that group thinking, like, um, what am I trying to say? That, uh, kind of that cult mentality, like of a large group having like a single thought and a single mm-hmm. following on well, just wanting so cult bad mentality to, to be a part of something. Right. You know? Um, and, and that will take the pain away. I feel like just, just pain in this movie like just the the desire to die to end your pain mm-hmm. is is a part of this movie and so that's a part of it um and being you know haunted by the past right you know uh, one thing that kind of um, puts me on the fence about giving it a point for this is because i do have so many questions about the cult but i don't know if that matters like, like about either their guiding philosophy. So, like, is there philosophy that, like, that, like you were saying, death is what ends pain. So, death is kind of like holy and sacred. So, we have to take part in it. Or I was confused. I didn't yeah, know. I think so. I mean, in, is in everybody fact, killing themselves? Like, was um, I can't remember the actor's name, but like the taller, bald guy. Was he gonna drink too? Uh, Pruitt is the character name. But that's what I loved about this is like, of course, it's it's like the inside people that want the people below them to kill themselves, but they don't kill themselves. Like, I, don't, I didn't get the right. impression that he was going to drink. Right. But everybody else was, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he seemed kind of like a higher up, like he's kind of like moderating this. Yeah. So do you think each house had a moderator? In a way, yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, we haven't I guess talked about the very end, but you get a like you, you get a sense that this is happening everywhere. Right. Right, that it's like the purge. Yeah. It is. And uh, like I I think maybe that openness does make me inclined to give it a point because we can kind of fill in the blank there mm-hmm. with um what we're supposed to be afraid of, whether that's that, that 
large group cult mentality that we're supposed to be afraid of, being duped by someone, like you said, taking advantage of uh, your grief. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's as, as prominent here, but like it's it's my impression that like in California there are a lot of these kind of like new age groups and remedies and like that kind of thing and so i feel like the hills the hills have red lanterns (laughs) right and so i feel like in this very like kind of rich part of california you get you know everyone kind of has their own like new age solution or group Mm -hmm. to it and so like this is is kind of playing on that too yeah, I, like I said, I like the end. I love the shot where you get, um, you know, there's that little peak when he's lighting the lantern. You're not quite sure what that means yet, yeah. but when you see those hills with the red lights and the sirens mm-hmm. and helicopters and everything, I, I, I really like that as an ending. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'll give it a point for monster quality just because, again, it's so this movie's different in that way just like green room is it's more of that like internal Mm -hmm. monster okay so So let's move on to scare scare factor factor. so clear intent to scare i like you said there there are lots of tearjerker moments for me with those flashbacks um i mean it just like antichrist when we get to it, I mean, it makes me so deathly afraid of like losing my child. Mm. Like I have no idea. I can't even conceptualize what that would be like to feel that pain yeah. of losing a child of any age. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause in both these movies, you know, they're, they're younger, but so that puts fear in me, but it, is that, is that the move? Like, is that the movie's intent? Do you think? I think it's different. I think the intent and message of the movie is different. It's not supposed to make you afraid of loss, is it? I I think it's meant to make you afraid of... Then the movie's doing exactly what the cult's doing. The movie right, is I think like, it's meant to make you skeptical of, of like the way that some people choose to deal with their and grief. And process their grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think... I mean, I, I think that the idea of this death cult is scary. Like your friends who you know, people that you have had like major moment, you, you've shared major moments of, of your life with them. Like they have changed in this, in this huge way mm-hmm. um, that they, they want to kill you. Um, I think that's scary. And then we haven't spent too much time talking about, like, the last 20 minutes, like, when the killing starts. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think those are, like, tense, scary moments. Mm -hmm. Um, For for a movie that moves so slowly in the beginning, the end moves really fast. I felt like, out of nowhere, just people are shot and dead. (laughs) Which I, I really liked. Yeah. Because if that happened even... Like halfway through the movie, yeah, like they're taking wouldn't... people into rooms or something, yeah. and like slowly. Like I don't them need off. to see like five minutes of them like hiding. Yeah, you know, like two minutes is like enough. You know, so it's just like, um, yeah, I think the pacing is 
is effective here. Um, it's different than, you know, your, your scare a minute traditional horror movie, but I, I think it's effective and I, I want to give it a point. It also made, just made me so anxious throughout because of like the cringeworthy, like social moments too. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know, even know what else to call that. Yeah. The cringeworthiness, like, cause you do feel from the beginning, I like, what is it that so my friends in college used to call it douche chills. You have douche chills <laughs> yeah. throughout the whole, uh-huh. the whole movie. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, something Unsettling. evil is happening, yes. but like, you don't want Will to say anything. Like, just yeah. don't, don't do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, and I just like to, to see, um, what's his ex-wife's name? Is it, is that Eden? That's Eden. Um, how she ultimately at the end, really, the reason why she's taking those pills is because she doesn't feel like she can go through with it. Um, when push comes to shove, she really can't mm-hmm. do it. Whereas we see that the ones who are defending their lives and defending their loved ones do have the capacity mm-hmm. to like harm and kill others, which yeah. I thought was really, really interesting mm-hmm. switch. And then that turn of events, like we're saying that call back to the beginning, um, where she's asked to like put her out of that, out of the misery. Mm-hmm. And then she does it. The, uh, his girlfriend does it right. Mm, I can't recall. I have to think back. He, uh, for for some reason, I want to say that when it comes to like um, not putting her out of her misery, but making sure that the person's either knocked out or dead, he hands his then girlfriend or fiance. I can't remember what it was. Like, whoever he brought to yeah. that party um, gives her a blunt object, and she does yeah. it. Like he doesn't do it like he did with mm-hmm. the coyote. Yeah, which I thought was really really interesting um yeah so like being forced to kill your friends want to do it like that i know that's a really scary idea it is it i you know what i'm gonna give it a point because like you said i feel like that feeling of being unsettled whether we want to call it like like you said cringeworthy Mm -hmm. douche chills i think that is scare factor and it's something you feel throughout the entire movie yeah so Good. All right. Well, then the invitation made it into the canon. Um, I mean, if I, I feel like if if you want to see a good horror movie, then you shouldn't expect one certain kind of horror movie. You know? Yeah. And so, like, I feel like this is it's different, and it is a slow build, but I think it has all the qualities it needs to be. It's that yeah, great horror movie. I, and I think that's something that we're uh, throughout us doing this, being able to put our finger on what scare factor is. I think I'm starting to like realize it. It is that it's that feeling. It's that as I'm watching it in the computer screen, how much am I like putting my hands over yeah. my mouth and cringing? And like I said, there was some of that in this movie, more so in Antichrist. So let's. Let's get into it. Might as well we, get it over with. Can we preface this conversation to like, so we've already spent about 45 minutes um, talking about these two other movies. We could spend days talking about Antichrist. Books have been um, written about um, it. Yeah. yeah. So I think we'll just have to say, okay, we're going to, you know, we're throw it into the rubric, see what happens. But in terms of discussion about this movie, uh, we can't capture it in the time that we have. It's, really unlike any other movie that we've done on this podcast before, right? 
I think so. Uh, in terms of its like iconography and what it's doing as a movie, this is this this kind of reminds me actually the um, like remember when we watched a field in England? Yeah. Like that's the like watered down <laughs> B version. It was trying to do what Antichrist does yeah. with its which just with its imagery and things like sure. that. Okay, well, let's, let's get go. into Production. it. So, let's well, hold there. on. Antichrist, oh, released in 2009, written and directed by Lars von Trier, star, starring Willem Dafoe as he and Charlotte Gainsbourg as she. And so something I found out about this movie, too, that I'll say at the beginning uh, when I was looking into it. So um, von Trier apparently was only out of the hospital like two months before starting mm-hmm. this movie um and there were moments he said that he had to apologize to the crew um for his like just state of being and not being able to move the camera and do things that he would normally be able to do so he mm-hmm. when he's making this movie he is in it and it it shows um like this this movie feels so authentic like as someone who, who has struggled with depression um like this, this movie gets it. Like it, yeah, it, it gets it, and, and it's on on such like a fundamental and disturbing way. Um, it's not a fun movie to watch. It's not an easy movie to watch. No, but I'll, I'll compare it to a, a more recent movie that I, I saw recently called Lights Out, which. I'm sure we'll do sometime, mm-hmm. but that movie also deals with depression. Um, but it, it's manifested in the form of this ghost and it feels very surface level in comparison to antichrist portrayal of depression. Um, it's, it just, it's so real here. It's so authentic. Um, so yeah. Um, so production, I mean, first and foremost, uh, visually it's, the movie is striking. Yeah. Um, mix of slow motion, black and white. It has, um, the, the prologue is so beautiful and artistic and disturbing. It's, yeah, it's, it's disturbing. It's absolutely disturbing. But so beautiful. I, I know. I just like keep playing it back in my mind. And like when it cuts, when you get more of that scene later on, yeah. with, like with the child, like actually falling, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it ripped my heart out. Yeah. Um, and then talking about, um, you know, in terms of production, like soundtrack and mm-hmm. um, every part of it. I mean, can I just say like easy point? It's like with like when we were doing working with Hitchcock mm-hmm. with Psycho. It's like duh, you have yeah, to in this, terms of production. Like this is a work of art. Yes. Like it's and it's interesting that like. I think the movie holds up so well. Um, at the time, I, I read that like it got a very mixed reception at Cannes. Yeah, it, got, it Cannes received Film the Festival. entire award. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and so, but but I, I you know, I, I can see when when you when you first see this and you don't know what to make of it, I could see a reaction like that, but. You know, Where it seems with, like gratuitous or, um, I guess, but like looking back and like having time, I mean, this is, this is a rewatch for me and it's a rewatch for you. Yeah. Um, and, and so like kind of knowing what to expect, um, 
you, you just, you, you can appreciate it as just such an artistic achievement. It is. It's like the, it's like a portfolio of his depression. Yeah. It's a great um, way of putting it. Just because it does, has that notebook feel with the, with the, um, the prologue, the mm-hmm. epilogue, the chapters. Um, it does feel like a book. Um, and then each shot, you know, is a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the acting is incredible. Um, Willem Dafoe, he, the male character, he's amazing at, you know, try, someone who's like trying to create this like emotional distance by playing therapist to his wife. And then Charlotte Gainsbourg as the female playing just a whole range of emotions from being extremely vulnerable one minute to being hurtful and devastating the next um it's yeah amazing range yeah um there's a lot that we could get into as far as theme here um i guess we could save it for monster quality i will say though it's just it's very well written and there are themes with capital t's in this movie yeah you, and we, that's the part where we could go through and talk about it but we could just say evidence by the fact that there are multiple that mm-hmm. it's worthy of yeah that point for sure. One thing, and maybe we can go ahead and, I mean, I'm going to give it a point for production. Yeah. Um, let's get into monster quality. Uh, the film's kind of been criticized as being misogynistic um, in terms of its portrayal of women mm-hmm. and like uh, just maybe his, his mantra's message. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of been wrestling with that um, the past couple of days. Like, I don't know. Do you feel like it's misogynistic? No, I feel like this movie is about misogyny, but it's not misogynistic in itself. I think it criticizes Willem Dafoe's character, who, who, you know... Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to like it. Like, I don't think we're supposed to... No, and, and his actions lead to the horrific acts that happen at the end. Um, and it's it's also the way that, like, her character says that women are evil, like her, her whole um, thesis that she was working on is about gynocide, mm-hmm. like the killing of women. Um, and it seems like as, as a way of coping with her grief over her son and, and the fact that she feels responsible, I think it's up to debate about how culpable she is mm-hmm. in her neglect, but like, um, she kind of assumes the perspective of the text that she was reading about gynocide and that like women are evil and should be killed. Yeah, she just right? like, like, yeah, she takes all of her life experiences evidence to prove her thesis and then she just accepts it and sort of yeah. moves it out. And so I think that it's, it, it, it undercuts the message of misogyny. Like it's not, it's about misogyny, but it does not advocate for misogyny. Um, and if you want a deeper discussion, um, you can listen to the faculty of horror episode on this. Uh, they make pretty much the same argument. So I'm good that it's not just like I'm a guy. And so I don't think this film's misogyny. Like I, yeah. I think others have, have read it that way too. Yeah. I mean, I think the images are unsettling. I mean, what do we what do we want to call that part at the end the genital mutilation yeah um 
It's, it's just like, and I the think I knew it was coming. Yeah. I knew um, that like on both sides that it was coming and I still was cringing the whole time. Um, where was I going with that? See, even just flashing back to it just like took me off my train of thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think we're supposed to like advocate or uh, ascribe to the, her idea that women are evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I even, think... even he as a character says like, no, you're thinking about it the wrong way. Like even he doesn't believe that. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. Like, because he, he is also misogynistic himself. And so like, yeah, both, both characters kind of take that on. And, and I think if anything, it just shows like how harmful it is, you know? Yeah. Um, like you, you should not be telling your wife, like how to process her grief. Um, or, or you should not also not be ignoring like <laughs> doctor's advice, doctor's <laughs> advice. And, and also just like, the emotional support that's needed. Like he's a therapist, but also he's her husband. And there are things that a husband can do for a wife that a therapist can't. And he doesn't do that. Like he's not emotionally supportive of her um, because he's trying to play doctor. He's trying to be clinical. Yes. Um, And I think that's the, that's the big line that he crosses in the beginning that they talk about that does just lead to this. Mm -hmm. And and so like, that's, that's also his way of processing his grief. Right. Like it's to stay, it's to stay, it's to keep that distance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's harmful too. Um, What are we supposed to make of kind of thinking of that like clinical approach when he's looking at the autopsy report and he doesn't open it until they're at the cabin. And then that part about um, her having put, you know, keeping the wrong shoes on his yeah. feet. What are we supposed to make of that? Like, was she damaging or neglecting her son before that? It seems to imply that the summer before, when she was up there with her son writing her thesis, which she ended up not finishing, um, that she started to exhibit some of these traits that she started to kind of take on. And you see that in her notebook, Right. When it just becomes just, scribbles, right? Like incomprehensible at the end, and so um, it seems like those those seeds were already planted, in that the accident with her son kind of confirmed that for mm-hmm. her. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what kind of I wrote as the sequence. But I I, I don't want to say that like any any part of our interpretation is definitive because I think what's so strong about this movie is, is that it, it, there's definitely ambiguity everywhere. Um, whether it's, you know, with the, the true motivation of, of the wife or with, if it's with like the symbolism of the animals, um, I feel like there's, there's so much there that can be interpreted. And let's get into monster quality with that. Um, as we were saying before, many archetypes. We've got nature, we've got man, we've got woman. Um, throughout, it has depth. I think for the purposes of our rubric, we can say, okay, it has it. But what monsters came out for you? Are we? I think nature is like the key. Here. Yeah. Because you have like the nature of man and the nature of woman. Yeah. So in the same sense that they discuss, like yeah. 
nature as in like the world, the environment, but also like our nature. Yeah. And then you have these animals that sort of symbolize nature and like how nature is ruthless, especially to children who are so vulnerable. Right. Um, because you have the hawk eating like the dead it's, baby bird. Mm -hmm. You have the stillborn, the stillborn the deer. Um, you have the acorns, which like only this movie could make like acorns like sad and depressing <laughs> and like awful. It, you know, acorns falling on the roof. It's like literal like seeds, babies, yeah. like dying. And like that, that pounding you hear is like of babies dying, nature killing babies. Yeah. And so, um, I think nature the, is kind of at the key here. In the plant, in the vase too, it's like um, those those like particles of like the decaying plant that would otherwise be nourishment. Mm -hmm. That's it's kind of like it's it's the all those callbacks to that either whether it's the snow falling with the baby or the acorns falling. Yeah. All these like little particle shots. You see that with the rain. Um, there's the shot of um, like I said when she's in the hospital and there's a vase. Mm -hmm. We're looking at those like particles. It's just like this decay or whether you want to say internal or external or what could potentially be life giving is actually mm -hmm. just like, yeah. And, death. and also I think we have to talk about how like witchcraft plays a part in this too. Mm -hmm. um, because that's, you know, what she's reading about. Um, and so it seems like witchcraft is, is kind of like, the label that men put on nature and yes. put on women as like evil. Um, and, and so that, that that's a really interesting way of, of looking at the idea of witchcraft, which we see in, you know, countless horror movies. This is pretty original take on it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Like I wouldn't call this like a witch movie, but no, it's, it's there once they get to the, the cabin, yeah, I just kept going in a circle with that kind of idea about, like, so nature um, is is Satan or is evil, like he's drawing on his chart, right? Yeah, and, um, oh, man, Nature I have... is feminine, like we often ascribe nature feminine qualities, mm -hmm. and then the nature of women, then, is also Satan and evil, then... The, the, the circular thought that I went into is then then products of women are inherently evil mm -hmm. and the nature of man is also evil and yes. just kept going through that loop and it just made me sick. Yeah, there's <laughs> the, the great quote in this, nature is Satan's church. That's yes. like, seems to kind of sum up everything and he, that we're talking about. And what's crazy at the end, kind of thinking about that uh, is... So at the end, when Willem Dafoe crawls into that hole, yeah, he becomes like he's one in with nature. nature. He's in that womb, yeah. And then she tries to pull him out. He won't come out. He's um, what's it called? Where the the baby's feet are pointing oh, instead of the head. Is that like breech? Breech. Yeah. He's in a breech position, so she has to do a C-section and dig him out oh, of the top. Oh man, I didn't even think about it in that way. Uh, and wow. he's like reborn at that part. Wow. Um, and I just kept like. With the monster quality, and if we're talking about arguing depth, you can just keep digging and digging in this movie. Mm -hmm. And and even the crow, the crow yes. itself is a zombie crow, kind of like right. It just it. and that is also like what reveals him to her. Like so, 
So he is then, at the end, he is reborn, again, as a product of nature, yeah. of this evil, and then he's then overcome with all those women charging up the hill, yeah. like, overtaking him. All right, I'm going to give it a point. I have to give it. Let's just end there because, well, yeah, we could go on and on and on. So scare factor. So scare factor. Uh, if we want to go back to what we were saying before with like the invitation, if we want to call it um, those chills, that um, being feeling of being unsettled throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. this movie has it from mm-hmm. the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, when you see... When you see the child dropping out of the window, you're like, oh, man, we're in for a ride. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop. Yeah. It doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, and, and when it gets violent, it, it it's Ooh. horrific. It's, it's I mean, it, it's off the charts as far as cringe factor. Like, not 11, like 111. This, uh, they, like, whether it's like drilling into his calf or the genital mutilation or just like or just even their um their sexual relationship yeah you're just like oh my gosh how far is this gonna go Mm -hmm. it's how they both like it's how they both sort of like submit to each other yet control each other and it's not just and that's why I, i would argue that it's not it's intended not to be misogynistic even though mm-hmm. our main character is a misogynist because sometimes in the sexual situation she is definitely in control she mm-hmm. has the power mm-hmm. um she's using it as a way to like not think about her grief mm-hmm. like so or, every scene is frightening in yeah. this movie to me it is it's really really scary um and, and also just the idea that like it is like it's your spouse that can harm you more than anyone else can harm you. Yeah. Right. Because these people, they, I, I, I mean, he ends up killing her, but like they, they hurt each other emotionally, physically in every way that you can hurt someone. Yeah. And I think that kind of leads to my idea why it's called antichrist. So I'd be curious to see what you say. So I think it's called antichrist because if we think of, uh, you know, a Christ figure is the savior. Mm-hmm. And so an antichrist then would be ruined, mm-hmm. right? So the opposite, the antithesis to being saved and they ruin each other. I mean, mm-hmm. they are both their own antichrist. Yeah. They b- bring about their own mm-hmm. demise and downfall. Yeah. That's, I kind of, that's how I read it. I read it as um, nature. Like is the antichrist. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, as you know, I quoted nature is Satan's church, like this, this whole connection of Satan and nature and how nature is like out to kill you. And so, um, you know, that's the opposite of Christ. And so Mm -hmm. another great thing about it, you can interpret it in so many different ways. I think one reason maybe why it's also deemed misogynistic is that maybe it's seen as like the woman is the antichrist, you know, yeah, but I, yeah, I think that's kind of limiting it. Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, and now finally, I know the thread. You're absolutely right. Between all, like among all three of these movies is like human nature. We've asked ourselves that question throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. So yeah, you're yeah. gonna give it a point. Gotta give it a point. I am too. I mean, if if you, I would not give this to somebody who's uninitiated. 
In the genre or film, this needs I to mean, be somebody who... I mean, this is up there with, like, Cannibal Holocaust as, like, major... I'm not going to watch this again for a very long time. Major disclaimer, like, not suitable for children or... Absolutely not. I mean, you have to be in the right mindset. And you and the like, thing is, too, is that you know that in the first five minutes of this movie. Yeah. Like, there should be no question. If you watch the first five minutes of this movie and you're like, I don't know if it's for me, then don't watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't 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 force yourself. It's to not. Do this. It doesn't get any it's better. It's not like yeah. It, it feels punishing. It is punishing. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is the point. It, it is the point, which is I guess why it's in the canon. <clears throat> All right. Whew. So, Antichrist <coughs> in the canon, but um, yeah, maybe um, if. Like if if it's on TV, it's not the kind of movie that you just sit down and watch. It's uh, yeah, got to be in the right headspace for it, I think. Okay, so that's it for um, today. So we have Antichrist in the canon. We have uh, the Invitation in the canon, and Green Room in honorable mention. And so yeah, I just productive. I would like to say that you know we have some pretty recent movies, and this kind of gives me hope that like you know horror is going strong. You know, that we still have these, like, really great movies coming out. Yeah, we don't just have to look at... At the classics, the classics. you know. Mm -hmm. so. Great. Good. Okay, next so time. next time... Return um, to Hitchcock. Yes, Return to Hitchcock. Uh, sort of a creature fe feature. We are getting into The Birds, both the short story by Daphne du Maurier and the classic Alfred Hitchcock film. Um, and then we're going to watch um, a movie that was heavily influenced by the birds called Birdemic Shock and Terror. I feel like after watching Antichrist, we earned ourselves watching Birdemic. We did. Like, yeah, <laughs> you've earned it. And so um, it, <laughs> if you haven't seen Birdemic, you've got to see Birdemic. Um, I haven't seen it before. I I, just, yes, I, just, I know. I cannot wait for you to see it. But just um, to our listeners, it's... Yeah, it'll be fun to talk about. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that's it. That's what we're doing next time. Yep, be sure to check out uh, The Test Prep by Stephen McClurg on unoyasolstice.com. Leave comments in our post um, and just let us know what you think. Um, other than that, we'll see you next two weeks. Yes, pencils down. The terror test is over. <laughs>